On today's Trophy Kids, we got a great show for you. We are breaking down this year's bowl season and giving out our picks. So let's go. And welcome to Trophy Kids, presented by Bad News Media. It is December 20th. We are in the thick of things now. Bowl season is upon us, which we are going to be getting to our picks and predictions coming up here later in the show. But first, we lead in with an announcement today that must have set off a howitzer outside the NCAA building. The fire alarms have been going off for a while. But James Wiseman headed to the NBA, leaving college, signing an agent. We all lost today in not being able to see James Wiseman play. But this is disastrous for the NCAA. James Wiseman basically said, fuck you today to them for giving him a 12-game suspension. I think it was 12 games. having Saying he had to pay basically an $11,500 fine back in the form of a charitable donation. And he said, fuck that noise. I'm out. Here's why this is disastrous, Tim. The NBA draft, there are a bunch of predictions out there. And every one of them I've seen, now they... The players are a little bit scattered, but in the top 10, three of the top 10 players, two in the top five, are Americans that will not have played in college basketball this year. That's a problem for the NCAA. It's a wild thing. Good for James Wiseman. Bad on the NCAA in this one. This is kind of how I feel on this. This is where I land. Um it's kind of how I felt for a little while on the NCAA, especially with basketball, um, because you're more out there. You, you're more well-known. I mean, you're not behind a helmet. The NBA stars are out there. Their faces are out there. They're more well-known than NFL players just because they don't wear helmets during the game as well. And these college kids can't profit off of sometimes their most profitable time because if they're – a top 50 NCAA athlete, they could be worth a ton of money to the school and a ton of money to themselves, but they're not allowed to make any money. And if you're that number 40, 40th athlete, you're not even going to be drafted by, in the NBA. Yeah, no, I mean, 100%. Here's why it spells disaster for the NCAA and the way I'm thinking about it. What this year shows, if and R.J. Barrett's the one that sort of Everybody I've seen has Lamella Ball and James Wiseman in the top five. R.J. Hampton. R.J. Hampton, sorry. I keep saying Barrett. R.J. Hampton. He's somewhere in the top ten. There's no – I haven't seen a real consensus, but somewhere in the top ten he's probably going to go. That shows every kid coming out of high school, top talent, that you can go abroad for a year and you still can get drafted high. Now – the NCAA will never be dead because that is not going to work for the vast majority of college basketball players. And the argument's still there that the development they can get from the coaching standpoint is much higher in college. If you go to say like a Duke under coach K or you go to Michigan state, which isn't having a great year, obviously, but getting coached by Tom Izzo or going to UNC or any of the various colleges, that the developmental part is still better than if you were to go to Australia, for example, where uh, LaMelo and RJ play right now. The argument, though, there about going that is you can purely focus on basketball, which most college basketball players do anyway. They don't really go to class, but they do have to show up every once in a while and do some things. Their pure focus is basketball. They get paid for it, and they get to adjust physically to actual (laughs) grown-ups instead of a bunch of 18-year-olds. 
So for those who are going to be one and dones anyway, this becomes a much more attractive option. And the NCAA has backed themselves into a corner because it's old man not wanting to adjust to the world and pay these players, which I think everybody at this point is universally for. So instead of doing the smart thing, the NCAA does the dumb thing again. And this is the fire alarms are going off NCAA. Like the tournament still means something. So you're going to get kids who want to play at schools. Alumni association still means something. But for these kids who have struggling families, who are already coming out of high school projected to be NBA prospects, there's a real decision, I think, that they're going to make, and it's going to be a pretty good one, to maybe go outside the U.S. for a year and play and just test those waters because you can still get drafted. It makes a lot of sense. The opportunity's been around there even since Brandon Jennings did it, and he still got drafted in the top 10. And not that many athletes have done it recently. Um, We thought that Brandon Jennings was opening the floodgates when he first did it, and it really hasn't happened. I don't know that I would say that this really opens the floodgates for more athletes for it to happen because I do generally think, genuinely think, that the NCAA, well, I don't have any faith in them, so I don't know. Um, because yeah. the narrative shouldn't be that the NCAA needs to pay the athletes. We just need to allow them to accept payments. Like, that's it. Yeah. They just I, need to be allowed to accept endorsement deals, which the colleges are very against because they get these rich shoe contracts, these rich uh, yeah. apparel contracts where they are paying for all these new facilities. You're having football-only facilities. You're having basketball-only facilities at some of these campuses. Absolutely. And the coach gets sneaker deals. He gets camp deals. He gets an actual regular salary. And these players aren't getting anything. And you're right. That, that's a very good clarification, I should say. I don't necessarily think the NCAA maybe should be paying them a salary. And I do think there needs to be some parameters around it because the reality of the nature is some of these programs just have way more resources. So if you if – you sort of like there needs to be a cap essentially, I think, just like you have in major sports, a cap as far as what you can spend because – I think automatically, if you don't, there's not a chance a single lower tier school will be able to compete for a top prospect. It doesn't but matter, though. It, it does. doesn't matter. Look, at, look at the schools does. right now. Look at what's going on right now. In the in, in college, fo- to get in college football, well, they, they're different. not able to football right now. Football is different. Football is not, much Dayton's not able to get anybody right now. Basketball. They have that, to be a three-star recruit. They, they're not getting a five-star. That's that is true. You're not getting necessarily a five star. They're getting talent because talent goes on unknown in basketball, because you have much more of an impact in basketball if you're unknown, because there's only five players on the court. Well, let's let's do this actually then. Let's use because you're right. Dayton would not. Let's use our all modern Xavier, our 2019 recruiting class right now. We have what two players I think in the top 100. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have resources to go out and spend money. Like every kid in the top 100 would be on rosters, would be at bigger state schools because Xavier just would not have. I don't think so. Players. I don't because I don't think they're doing that right now. There's a lot of schools out there that do not care about basketball, and Xavier's one that does. So that's yeah. where you kind of come into. I mean, the, the kids right now are already doing that. Where they're the biggest names are already going to the biggest schools. If you allow them to accept, yeah. if, if you allow them to paid, accept money, like nothing's going to change. It depends they on might how go to a state school versus a private school, but private schools have money. They do have money, but the pure 
breadth. It's the same reason you have a salary cap in every sport except for baseball because you try to make the playing field somewhat leveled because if you didn't, for example, say, and it sort of already happens um, in football, but to less of a degree, but the Patriots would have their payroll could be exponentially higher than say the Bengals. And it, not that they're really competing this year, but it's not, wouldn't even be close. So the talent difference, I think as long as you can keep a cap, it makes sense. I don't think it matters because I think the AAU circuit as well is already screwed up enough that some of the most talented players aren't being found. And that's why you see them ending up at a Dayton. That's why Dayton's ranked so high right now is because they had a, a Tobin, whatever yeah. his name is. Well, yeah. And we, and, Sorry, and, and the, they're able to thrive once they get on to school and get put in some of these pressure situations. I don't think it matters to be honest with you. I think it would. I think if you allow same thing with like in football, not that it would matter too, too much. Cause the argument of just like not playing payers in football, cause you're like, well, only certain schools will compete in football. The disparity is like breathtakingly different. Like in nobody, every team that is good now would still stay good. Um, except for you might see like the USC's and Miami of the world, which have some deep, deep pockets, be able to fucking explode maybe a little bit more into the scene. USC would definitely not be getting a 70, what they finish at like 75th recruiting class okay. here for football. Like that would never happen if you allowed them. They, an they, salary cap. they finished below Bowling Green. Yes. Like no, <laughs> no universe without a salary cap would that ever happen. But even if you allow them to pay, they're going to move right up the ranks. Um, but yeah, I think it's a problem. The NCAA has got to, especially basketball. Basketball has a huge problem because in football, which actually is going to bring me to my second point, kids have to go to college. There's no alternative as right. well as physically from a developmental standpoint. They are in no shape or form ready for the NFL. Unless you're Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, the like one in a bajillion kids. And the reason why I think in the past where you've seen this with like the Kevin Garnett's or the Brandon Jennings, it's only been one player. You're going to have three this year in the top ten. And the more and more that becomes realistic, especially within the age of social media, especially in the age where kids are more out there, they're going to be able to be recruited by more by international teams to come play for them as an option because international teams know exactly who you are without even having to travel to the States. You can just log on to YouTube and see a kid's highlight reel or AAU game. I think it's going to become more of a problem if they don't get on the wagon. I do want to just bring up this because Danny Cannell had – he had a take. A take. Well, I agree with this for the most part. He goes, why do we make kids play college athlete, athletics when they don't want to be there? Let them turn pro out of high school. Okay. For, for most sports, that makes sense. He thinks that should apply to college as well. He thinks that college – college football, sorry. Football. I was going to say college, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. What, college that's literally football. what he said. Yeah, I agree with him on most sports. Like baseball, probably okay. Basketball, probably. Baseball, okay. are you allowed? You are allowed yeah, to. Yeah, baseball, you're already allowed to. Hockey, Same with hockey, you're allowed yeah, to. Yeah, probably Everything. allowed. Yeah, you're good there. Football, though, in no way, shape, or form, outside of, and even I don't. Trevor Lawrence, yeah, he's a hell of a prospect, but there is for that man who played college football and played professional football to not understand the pure size and mental difference of an 18-year-old kid compared to a player in the NFL, even two years, is staggering to me. In no way, shape, or form. Now, if they if the NFL created a developmental league, 
18 year old, then I don't have as much of a problem. But for kids, and if an NFL team break, I just think that is a recipe for disaster for kids to get incredibly hurt <laughs> physically. So- uh, call me crazy, but I think the NFL would figure it out if they were allowed to have high school kids in the, or if they were allowed to have straight out of high school into the NFL. I think the NFL would figure something out, whether that be practice squad, whether that be, whether that be, they would create their own developmental league. I think they would figure it out. There's enough money in the NFL that, Football. granted, there aren't that many smart people in the NFL, yeah. but. And a lot of the arguments came down to like, well, you're going to, you can get hurt in college. And it's like, yeah, I understand that. But there's also a reason we don't let elementary school kids play with high school kids. Like, it's just a pure – the difference between – look at any freshman, incoming freshman recruiting class in football. Take a snapshot of what they look like physically this year. Mm-hmm. And then look at what they look like two years later in the gym with a college football team. It is a staggering difference. And then look at them when they get to the NFL. It's an even bigger difference. Now, there are those absolute freaks out there that physically could probably handle it. But they are far and in between. I would be nervous about kids being manipulated into that situation and getting very, very hurt because they're just mm-hmm. not physically ready, which yeah. is why I still think you you pay players or you allow them to get paid in college so they can get, phys- they can get physically up to par and get the coaching because there's a lot of good coaching in college and then move on to the NFL or create it developmentally. I have no problem with that. But to act like he was acting like there isn't that big of a difference was insane to me because it came in the subtweets of that take. He yeah. started subtweeting. It was that. He's not. I, I don't. Uh, uh, yeah. I don't agree with him very often. No. All right. That's about all I had on that. It is a shame that we're losing out on not being able to see James Wiseman play this year. That sucks. We I are. wanted to see him. And there's no good NCAA basketball right now. Nobody's running away with it. Nope. Um, it's it's tough to watch. There's a lot of sloppy basketball going on. I think this is just kind of a culmination of not allowing people to – forcing people to come for one year and then leave. And there's no, there's no continuity with teams anymore. And it's just kind of – that one-and-done rule is kind of – been a mess and it's just kind of been snowballing now it's i think that's part of the reason i think also part of the reason is the talent pool is just very spread out this year like there aren't the talent doesn't seem as consolidated as it has like for example last year with duke getting one two and three best recruits it seems like everybody at least in the top has a guy and then the rest of the play is just kind of mediocre. And it's taking mm-hmm. a little bit wa- longer to get into set offenses. The officiating is garbage once again. Um, and, yeah, it's it's a weird year. But I think the playing field is just very evenly distributed this year, which we don't often see. At least that's my takeaway from the early part of the season. I haven't watched as much basketball as I should have because I'm still full-blown football. But the games – the the – Stuff I have seen, it just seems like everybody seems to be a little bit more even talent-wise this year. Yeah, it seems a lot more sloppy to me right now. And That's also really, another part. It doesn't really even seem like it's evenly distributed. It's just kind of people are sloppier. They're getting sloppier. And, and the NCAA has become so heavily dependent on freshmen carrying their league. And it, it seems to me like it's finally caught up to them. Whoops hit the downward thing on my chair for all those in the video. We lost right. him. We lost yep. Nate. 
almost there. <laughs> well, it brings me to my next point, which is football, because that's really what I want to talk about. I am – it's bowl season here. We'll get to college basketball here in the coming weeks and months. But bowl season upon, is upon us. It is time. Bowl season is probably the most exhilarating and also infuriating times of years as a, as a better and a picker of games because – the motivation factor is always a question. You know, who's sitting, who's not, always takes a factor. It is tough outside of the playoff games to really kind of figure out where these, what's going to happen. I'm also de- super depressed that football season's coming to an end. We have no thir- we're recording on a Thursday. We have no Thursday night football. We are getting our Saturday NFL games, which is always a fun little adjustment. College is coming to an end. Don't get me wrong. I like college basketball. I like basketball, but it's just it isn't the same. I'm a football addict, Tim. I'm a football <laughs> addict. But we got some games to pick. So what we're going to do here, because there's a bajillion bowl games, is we're just going to go through the New Year's, New Year's Six, essentially, even though these games aren't being played on New Year's or New Year's Day for the most part. I'm skipping the Orange Bowl because I don't give a shit about Florida UVA. And then we'll go into games that we like outside of that. So let's start right off the top. The Cotton Bowl. Penn State versus Memphis. The line is 7.5. Over-under is 60.5. I like Penn State right off the bat here because I think James Franklin can get his boys going. And I still think because James Franklin can get them going, I didn't see any major players not playing this. I'm liking Penn State at seven. I don't really love Memphis. I don't really love Memphis either. Um, uh, I don't really like Memphis. Um Especially with their coach leaving, Mike Norvell being hired away, um, I I will agree with you. I just wanted to confirm that. I couldn't remember. Yeah. I knew I saw it, <laughs> so I had to give a quick little Google search. But uh, with the coach being gone, um, although sometimes in my mind that does make the team play up for one last game, but um, I do think Penn State feels like they still have something to play for. Um, and James Franklin will figure it out. Um, so, yeah, I feel I'm like this Penn is a State spot here. that I'm leaning Penn towards State, Penn State. Yeah, I feel like Penn State, because like that's the other thing. Like we said, motivation's a big problem with a lot of these games, and you see it all the time. Like last year, Georgia, Texas, I think they came out just Georgia came out super flat, and Texas took advantage of it because that was a big mm-hmm. game for Texas, um, which we're gonna get to here in a moment. But uh, I think Penn State knows that they aren't the the best and biggest thing in the Big Ten, and that this game actually still means something for a lot of these guys because a lot of them, I don't see, I don't think I saw any but major players sitting. So I think they get up for this game. I like seven and a half. Um, next game, we should just, because I mentioned Georgia, Sugar Bowl, Georgia mm-hmm. versus Baylor. Last year, Texas came out, beat them. They said they were back. They are definitely not back, not even close. Georgia versus Baylor. Baylor's plus six, over-unders 41.5. Do we think the same thing happens this year and Georgia just lays a flat egg? I do. I don't have any faith in Georgia in big games either, and especially in something like this with their, when there's so many NFL prospects on that Georgia team. I don't really think they care about this game. I think Baylor does. Yep. The tackles already said he's out because um, he's a top-five pick, or at least top ten. We'll see who ends up drafting the top five. That will determine a lot of that, but he's out. Um, I'm with you. I like Georgia a lot 
They're a great program. Motivation's a problem here. Baylor, this means something to Baylor because Baylor is a team that is trying to show that their program is back. This is for future recruiting classes. This is Matt Rue. Not Matt Rue. (laughs) Um, The Baylor team, I think, focuses a little bit better in this game. Matt Rule. Sorry, got it. I was going to say, I think it was close. Yeah, I was like, God, I know I messed it up, but it's Rule. Yep. Um, So, yeah, I like Baylor here, six and a half, or six, plus six, as the underdog. Underdogs, I think, they play with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder in these bowl games, and Georgia just comes out here a little flat. Even though, if this was two weeks ago, they, I think they would slaughter Baylor. Yeah, on this game, though, I don't even know if I like the points here at all. I think if there's any value, it's in the money line, because I think... I. I don't think Baylor would be a team to keep this game close. I think they'll either win or they'll lose by a lot. Yeah, and if they lose, it's by a lot. Yeah, I'd agree. Because (laughs) I I think if Georgia comes out to play at all and keeps it close, Baylor's screwed. They don't even have a chance of keeping it within six points. So I think in this one, you got to look at the money line because I, I think it's either Baylor wins or they lose big. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I would agree. I mean... This one is it's motivate. It all comes down to motivation and what Georgia team we see. Because if you're right, if Georgia comes out and they want to win this game, they're gonna win this game. But if they come out a little flat and then they realize halfway through, oh man, we're getting smacked in the mouth. We got to get going. It just it doesn't work like that for Georgia this year. Like they they aren't a team that just has a switch that they can flip on offensively. They have to get going from the jump. Defensively, they can flip the switch, but offensively, there's not much of a switch to flip. They got to come out ready to go right out of the gate. Right, and how do you feel about your boy Jake Fromm? I still like Jake Fromm. So Jake Fromm's getting a lot of crap. I mean, he's obviously – he hasn't turned out as great as I thought he was going to be after his first year because that first year, I mean, in the playoff games, both the Oklahoma game and then the national championship game, insane. I think this year people are failing to realize he is dealing with an extremely young wide receiver core that has had a lot of problems just getting any form of separation. And so he has struggled. He still doesn't turn over the ball a ton. He still makes usually the right read. So fundamentally, he's still there. It's just the numbers aren't great. The offense isn't really rolling because the wide receiving core just, it's young, it's inexperienced, it's having trouble getting separation. And therefore, he's having some trouble getting the ball out to them. But you still see it when he wants to throw outside the numbers. Those balls are as good as anybody in the league. When they're not throwing outside the numbers on a deep route, deep fade, or an out cut, it gets a little sloppier. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh. I was going to say, because he's missing a ton of wide open receivers. He has. Yeah. And I think another part of that is just, it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's a little weird this year. I think, I don't know. I don't really – I still think he's a good prospect-ish, but it hasn't turned out like I thought it was going to be. Oh, yeah, I think he's going to do – prospect? Yeah, you heard it. You heard me right. He, If he finds himself a team that – I think he'll probably – I don't know if he'll go pro this year. I was going to say, I think he could be looking for a new job next year. No. If he goes back to Georgia, he'll be the starting quarterback at Georgia. Um, Kirby Smart loves that, man. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I think he's, I think it's there. It's just, he needs a little extra help from his wide receivers. It's really what it comes down to. All right. Fair enough. We got, we got some bowls to get to. So I'm going, moving let's, on. Let's get moved. Before we get to the playoffs, the granddaddy of them all. Playoffs? 
the game of the the games of games, the Rose Bowl. Oregon, Wisconsin. The line is two and a half. Wisconsin's the favorite. Over under is fifty one. The Rose Bowl is a bucket bucket list game for me for sure. Have, me too. Did you go during the Michigan State? No, run but there? my wife did. Yeah, that that was a mistake. You definitely should have gone out. <laughs> I was a broke college kid. I tried to make it out. I fair. Fair. I couldn't get off school. I couldn't get. I don't know. <laughs> it it's a it's definitely a bucket list game. It always seems to be the perfect weather there, like light sweater or vest kind of thing. Mm-hmm. This one it feels a little different though because you don't have the Big Ten champ playing in it. You have the runner up, and you do have the big, or the Pac-12 champ in Oregon playing in it. But Oregon has been such a flaky hit or miss team. Like the Oregon team that showed up in the Pac-12 championship was the team that I saw competing for a playoff spot and potentially getting a playoff spot. But that team hasn't been there week in and week out. It has shown its head every once in a while. I like Wisconsin here, I think, at two and a half. Because I just, I don't have enough faith in which Oregon team I'm going to get. In Wisconsin, I mean, they're the same team week in and week out. There's a few hiccups here and there. But for the most part, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get great running game. You're going to get good defense. And you're going to get a quarterback who struggled early in the season, but has really come on for them. So I like them at two and a half. I like that. I like Wisconsin in this one to try to get a big win to end out the season. We're going to have a little special gamble off in this one because I like Oregon in this one. Um, Reason being, I looked at this game first. My initial thoughts were, oh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin's going to dominate the line of scrimmage. It's Oregon. But Oregon's not the same team that they would always – I get in the trenches. Run track on teams, lose yep. to Stanford because they get bodied at the line of scrimmage. This Oregon team is very different in that regard. They beat teams up at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. No, the offensive line's good. I don't know if Wisconsin can handle that either. I don't know if Wisconsin can handle. They'll be all right. Those are some big those are some big boys up front. Those are some big corn fed <laughs> boys, but yeah. I mean it's a physical front. I'm going with Oregon in this one. I think Justin Herbert has something to prove still. That is a big thing. He's got to show something in order to cement his spot as the number two quarterback in this draft. Because I don't think he'll ever beat Joe Burrow out the way that Joe Burrow has been playing and the way that Joe and the way that the Bengals are on the board, number one. And he's an Ohio boy. He's got all the the writings to go there. Um, I think – Justin Herbert, for all of his faults, he's got to show out, and I think he will show out as much as he can in this game. Yeah, that's the that's the big factor right there. It is can he can he make teams? He, I mean, not can he? I think he right now is still probably the second best prospect because the the class of quarterbacks this year isn't great. I mean. You got Tua, who's got a fractured hip. <laughs> so see where he falls. You got Justin. You got Joe, obviously. And then it's like Jalen Hurts and then some guys towards the bottom. Um, so, but I think he wants to let teams know that he is the guy that you can feel comfortable kind of drafting him. So mm-hmm. he's got a lot to play for. It's just the rest of that Oregon team, they've been spotty. And I, I, I have backed them all year up until the Pac-12 game. I talked myself out of it. I didn't actually talk myself out of it. Herbstreit talked me into Utah before the <laughs> game because I picked Utah on this show. 
or I picked Oregon on this show, and then I watched the pre-show, and Herb Street talked me into Utah, goddammit. And that was it. So that wasn't great. But I just I don't I can't back him here. I'm going Wisconsin. I'm taking the big boys from Wisconsin, two and a half. We'll have a little pickoff special. I got Oregon. Year, or the bowl season, we'll say. Um, that's good. Also, by the way, my record, I meant to address it before we got into this because the year is over. I don't count bowl season towards my official record because it's just a different beast in itself. It's It gets its own record. But I did fail. I failed this year. Um, on the degenerate picks, I had a 57% win percentage with one push with Navy last week. I did get the first quarter, though, with Navy. Um, I don't think I gave out that pick, though. Or not the first quarter, the first uh, – the under, sorry. I didn't give out the under. Fuck. Um, either way, <laughs> Navy – I gave Navy a, a seven or whatever they were. Whatever they were. They, pu- they had – You won the pick. Got it. Yeah, yeah they pushed. Or you pushed. But – only push went 48 and 34. I went 64% last year. I went 57% this year. Bit of a bummer, but that's still a win. A win's a win. A win that's is a positive. win. You got to take what you got to take. Let's talk playoffs. Let's do it. Peach Bowl is the first game. LSU, Oklahoma. Lines 14, over under 75 and a half. That 14 is a big ass number. That 14 is a big ass number for one reason and one reason only. No way in hell is Oklahoma's defense stopping LSU. If Georgia, who has arguably one of the best, you can make the argument for best, they're definitely in the top, I would say, two or three defenses in the country this year. If LSU could do that to Georgia, Oklahoma, who is playing better defense than Oklahoma's in the past, we grade them on a curve, though, because they haven't been able to stop a nosebleed in years. They are better. There's no shot unless... LSU is looking already ahead to the national championship game in New Orleans and didn't prepare for that. But I don't think that is a question because they seem laser focused. But Oklahoma's offense is going to be able to score. LSU's defense is good. But Oklahoma, the last two years, has shown us they're the same team they are every for the last two years. That when come playoff time, they're going to put up points. They're going to get theirs. They're going to make a crucial mistake. Jalen Hurts definitely making a crucial mistake late in the game. And the defense isn't going to make be able to make a stop. So LSU went straight up. I don't know if I'm going to make an official pick. I'm going to wait on this line. It keeps going up, which seems crazy. I should have grabbed it when it first came out, LSU's favor. But at 14, that seems like a big number for a game that I think will probably end up being like a touchdown game. But LSU gets, gets out of it just because it's going to be an offensive affair. It's a football number. Yeah. But I still like LSU. I don't know anybody that can stop them. The way they looked against Georgia, I don't know if I'm getting too hyped up on that. But if that game was over that quickly, I don't see how Oklahoma can even keep this into 14-point game. It's because they got Lamb back. The offense, I still think – I think if you give Lincoln Riley this much time to prep offensively, they're going to throw some shit out there that will – they're going to get some big plays. I'm going to wait to see where the final number lands and tweet the pick. There's no way Oklahoma wins this game. I don't see a single way they win this game. But that is a – I think that number is going to get bigger. So I'm going to wait to see where it lands. Because I think by the time we get there, that number is going to be 18, 20 somewhere. I think we still got – I still think we got some movement on that line. So I'm going to wait. 
to take it. I, I think everybody should probably, unless you are for sure LSU is going to cover 14, take it now because that number is only going to get bigger. Um, but, yeah, I think Oklahoma, Oklahoma loses this game. I think LSU is heading to New Orleans for the national championship. It's just that number seems big for an Oklahoma team that generally plays games very close the last couple of years come playoff time. So the defense still, though, isn't very good. I think yeah, we, I, think that, I think that Murray is what? I was saying, God, great, great radio here. <laughs> Murray is very good. He's a phenomenal player. But everybody, we are – Ooh. We've got Murray, the linebacker for Oklahoma. Okay. We've got sucked into this stupid take this year, and I have been – I have unfortunately had this take this year because at times they've looked pretty decent. But we are grading them on such a curve because they've been so bad for so long. Their, their, their defense is not going to be able to do anything against LSU. It's just not. So I don't know this take that their defense is somehow better is going to help them. It just isn't. So the question really is can, OSU, or can Oklahoma's offense – keep this within a 14-point game. Their defense is better, but they're not even on the same playing field as Georgia. Not even oh. in the same... They're, they're nowhere close to the same defense as Georgia. So, oh. the fact that they're better doesn't... It honestly means nothing to me. Yeah, it's dumb. And that being said, I like LSU, and it the, the spread would have to get to close to 21, probably 20-21 for me to think about entertaining Oklahoma and that's why I think we huh said if he gets to that number 21 I am hammering Oklahoma (laughs) because that's what I see LSU beating Oklahoma by is about 20 points so that's why I like the 14 we'll see this is why we play the games Um, this is why we play the games next one this is my lock of the week I think OSU versus Clemson two is the number I have right now some places are showing two and a half. We'll see where it goes. Clemson is the favorite. Over under 63 and a half. I'm taking Clemson all goddamn day on this one. I hate Dabo. Don't get me wrong. I think he's done a great job of feeding into what was very fair criticism of Clemson early in the season. Because let's face it, they've played nobody. They barely beat UNC. So the criticism coming out after that UNC game was completely warranted. He has somehow turned that into, even though everybody flipped as soon as they started beating the crap out of teams, oh, everybody hates us, nobody wants us here, blah, 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 blah. This Clemson team is phenomenal. It's the best defense OSU has seen this year. No questions there. Power ranking-wise, Clemson is the best defense in the country. They haven't played a ton of great offenses, though, so take it as you will, but they've got some studs defensively. The offense has figured it out and is electric. Here is why I really like Clemson, though. Ohio State has shown vulnerabilities defensively the lat- coming down the stretch. If you can eliminate Chase Young, doubling him, running the ball, and having an effective running game, which Clemson definitely does, in a good enough offense or passing game, you can take advantage of OSU. Clemson has all that. I don't think OSU, the biggest concern, though, and the reason why I love this pick, Clemson has a phenomenal run defense. J.K. Dobbins is the straw that makes the or stirs the drink. Justin Fields is a hell of a player. Don't get me wrong. But in no shape or form do I think he should have been in New York over J.K. Dobbins. Because without J.K. Dobbins, this kid does not have as close to the season. Phenomenal quarterback, though. Don't get me wrong. I don't want that to be taken out of context. Like, I'm ripping the kid. He is great. But J.K. Dobbins is, the like I said, the straw that stirs the drink. He is the lead sled dog. He is the lead Clydesdale. He is the workhorse. 
if he can't get going, they are in trouble offensively, and I don't think he's going to be able to get going against this Clemson defense. They are just too stout and too good. So I think OSU is going to have some trouble here scoring, and that's why I like two. Two is a great number for Clemson here. I love them at two. It's my lock of the week. Fair enough. Um, when I saw this line open up, I was very shocked. I did not expect Clemson to be favored right off the bat. Um, I like the way OSU has been, not the way OSU has been playing recently, but I still like the way OSU has played against much better competition. Um, yeah. I think with J.K. Dobbins, he's not just a running back either, though. He is the offense. He, they'll, I have faith in OSU to be able to find a way to get J.K. Dobbins the ball, whether that be handing the ball off, which might not work against Clemson's run defense. Um, but they'll spread him out. They'll get the ball in his hand somehow, whether that screen passes, lining him up as a wide receiver, and they'll be able to – They'll be. Able, I don't want to say they'll be able to win this game, but two points is basically saying they'll be able to win this game. Mm-hmm. So – I'm taking OSU with this one. It's not my lock of the week. I don't feel comfortable about it, but sometimes you got to pick the uncomfortable. Well, here's the thing. We are going to see how good Day is as a coach and schemer because Brent Menenballs, the defensive coordinator for Clemson, is as good as it gets. Right. I mean, Venables? he is – Venables, sorry. He Venables. is as – whatever. Yeah, no, Venables. <laughs> that's his name. God. I heard, um, I heard you say Menenballs. Oh, no, Venables. If it came out Menables, I apologize. Venables. I know him. Um, you, you can't miss him. He's got a neon hat on half the time. He's really, to me, he's the reason Clemson is so, uh, yeah, Dabble's a great recruiter, don't get me wrong, but from a developmental coaching standpoint, that Clemson team is because of Brent. There is no questions. That dynasty has been built with defense for the most part. He is a big reason. He is one of the, he is the preeminent defensive coordinator out there. There are a couple others that you could argue are better, but he is consistently great. So we'll see how Ohio State does matching up, what that war looks like between the two of them, Day and him. But I just, I like Clemson here. I like the experience that they have. Um, Yeah, they're a little bit younger offensively, but Trevor Lawrence has been here. He's been in big games. Last time these two teams got together, it didn't go really great for Ohio State. I just think when push comes to shove, this, this is a the better this is the best defense they will face this year, and I think that Ohio State has shown they've shown blood the last couple of weeks. They have shown a vulnerability that I think Clemson will be able to take advantage of and then get smacked by LSU. <laughs> but that's getting too far ahead of ourselves. All right, we're going at this. We got some bowl picks. I'm just gonna start listing off some ones. I don't know how many you have. I've got a couple. We're not gonna go too too in deep. First off the bat, Washington University versus Boise State. Boise's plus three and a half here. Uh, over under 50. I like the under here. Because I don't like, first of all, it's Peterson's last game at Washington. So I think they're going to try to show out. It's against the program he created in Boise State. Both these teams play good off or defense. Washington plays some horrific offense. I like this to be a slugfest. I like it under 50. That's my first pick. Would you like me to read another one for you? Give no, me I got one. All mine? Okay. I got one. 
I'm a, I'm going with the home team here. Uh, Eastern Michigan is at Ford Field. They're getting 11 points on the spread against Pittsburgh. I don't think Pittsburgh's that good. Um, sometimes they'll play up and they'll they'll knock a team in the mouth when they're not expecting it. But I think Eastern at home in Detroit at the Quick Lane Bowl will be able to cover an 11 point spread. All right, I don't hate that. I got another under here for you. BU BYU versus Hawaii. Over under 64, quarterback play here is horrendous. It is real bad for BYU. They've been banged up all year at quarterback. Terrible. Hawaii got off to a flaming hot start this year. I mean, I was betting them late because <laughs> I needed some wins because I was down. Not great at the beginning of the season. It's real, really great when you can count on clock with the Hawaii game late at night. Uh, but the offense has struggled. The quarterback situation has struggled. I like the under here, 64 um, and a half. I think this game, it's in Hawaii. I just think the quarterback play is going to be very subpar, and we're going to not see a ton of points. We're not going to see 64 points. I got another over-under for you. I don't know if you, nobody else would have seen my reaction, but Nate might have just seen my reaction. My head perk up and shake and wonder what the heck I was looking at. That is the Michigan State-Wake Forest game at Yankee Stadium is set at 50. <laughs> Michigan State can't score 10 points if their life de- depended on it. That means Wake Forest has to score 40. The spread <laughs> in this game is only three and a half. There's no way they're hitting this 50 number. I'm going under here, 50 points, outside at Yankee Stadium. Yep. December 27th, going to be miserable. It's in New York. It's going to be cold. Nobody's going to want to be there. Two terrible teams. Yep. I'm with you. I saw that number two. I just left it off my picks because I knew you were going to jump on that. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even look at the over-under until you said that. I was just going to take Wake Forest and the spread here. It's only three and a half, but I do not think Michigan State's any good. I'm hoping they try out some of their quarterbacks for next year because we have Brian Lewerke as a senior now, and we have nothing next year. So I don't expect them to play well. I don't expect them to put up any points with that. Under 50, lock of the week. Oh, wow. Lock of the week. I like it. Um, USC, Iowa. I was minus two. We got over under 52. Look, I think USC made the right decision in keeping Clay Helton. I think that the USC team this year, had they not been so banged up at quarterback, would have been a much different team. The recruiting class definitely hurts what he's got bringing in and his chances of staying next year. But I think he's a good developmental as far as he's going to get talent and he's going to develop. Well, he didn't get talent this year, but he's got talent on the roster. He's very good at development, developing it from what it looks like. But Iowa is Iowa and Iowa's defense is extremely good this year. I think Iowa pulls this one out. I don't love it, but I like it enough to go ahead and, and sprinkle a little on Iowa just because offensively they haven't been great. Um, but I think Iowa – I don't think there's a problem motivationally for Iowa here, where with USC you never really know. Um, so I like Iowa minus two. Speaking of Iowa teams, I think there's another one that I am going to pick against here, and I'm going to go with Notre Dame playing against Iowa State in the Camping World Bowl. Um, did Notre Dame get snubbed at all by not getting the uh, – the, um, which bowl was that that Virginia got picked for? Were they eligible for that bowl? The I don't Orange remember. Bowl? They probably should have been because, yeah, they have two losses on their record. One of them was to Georgia. Um, they 
they were at the end of the, it was like their last like five or six games. Don't quote me on the exact games, but it was like a decent stretch. Their average margin of victory was like 30 points. Like they've just been pouring it on teams. Um, I saw this game. I don't know which way I'm going yet. I'm going to wait to see that week what the vibe is coming out of Notre Dame because I can't imagine why anybody for Notre Dame wants to get up for this game. Like, why does anybody on Notre Dame's roster want to get up? It's I think it's a noon game, too, for the Camping World Bowl against Iowa it State. Is. Yeah, like, that seems like a disaster for Notre Dame. But if the vibe seems to be, yeah, they're motivated because they want to go out one last time, which I do have a pick later down the road where that seems to be the thing, then, yeah, I think Notre Dame's probably a good pick there. But I just I can't see it because they just have been pouring it on teams down the stretch um yeah i I like notre dame in this one they're they're favored by three and a half points but i think they could cover that if they come out this is pretty much a hit or miss they're gonna blow them out or they're gonna get blown out too yeah yeah it's gonna be interesting um let's see what was my next one ah yes texas versus utah texas stinks Texas is a joke. Texas is an embarrassment to football. The whole, we're back, sit your ass down. You haven't done anything. You beat Georgia in a meaningless Sugar Bowl game last year. Tom Herman's a joke. He gets pissy about horns down. Give it to him all day, Utah. The dude's on the sideline mocking players himself when he's beating them, but he can't can't take – he can't dish it and take it at the same time. I think Utah here at 7 is the number, over-under 55. I like Utah here because, once again – Texas stinks. Utah's got those three kids from Miami who are going to want to go out one last time. They were determined to change the culture at Utah. They didn't get it done in the championship game like they wanted to. I think that leaves a bitter mouth in the taste for these guys. They get up going one last time for the boys. They ride out, and I think they kill Texas here. You want me to go with my next one? Yeah, go with your next one. another one just like that. Minnesota-Auburn. I had a hard time picking this one until I saw Derek Derek Brown, yeah, of Auburn saying he's coming back and he's ready to ride out. I hate Auburn offensively. The The Alabama game is an anomaly because it's, it's the Iron Bowl. I love Minnesota initially until I learned their stud linebacker isn't playing because P.J. Flex is going to get them to be motivated to play. But Minnesota hasn't seen a defensive line like the Auburn defensive line is about to break. That defense is so good. I think I I like them at seven and a half right now because of how good and how motivated they seem to actually be able to play with Derek Brown coming back and going, yeah, no, I'm coming back to play this game. I'm not sitting out for the NFL, even though he's a top prospect. He's a baller on the defensive line. I like Auburn just off a mo- pure motivational standpoint, and they just have better talent. Fair enough. I'm going with uh, I'm I'm going this one's weird for me, uh, SMU at at literally at Florida Atlantic. Yep. It's not even it's not even at a bowl. It is, but it isn't because it's yep. at Florida Atlantic. It's at their school. However, Lane Take Kiffin's gone. Lane Kiffin's gone. Shane Bouchelle's there still at yep. SMU. I'm going SMU minus three and a half. I think Florida Atlantic. I think this spreads only at three and a half because they expect Florida Atlantic to play up for this game because they're at home. However, I don't know if that helps in a bowl game. I think that means you're going to get blown out. I think you're going to be lazy because you don't have to go anywhere. What's the point of the bowl game now? It's really just extra practices for next year. 
So I don't think anybody would even want to go to this game either as a home game because, I mean, it's a home game. There's no point. It's a meaningless bowl game. So I'm going SMU in this game. I like that as well. Uh, My next one, BC versus UC. Line seven, UC's favorite, over-unders 55. UC's got this. I hate picking this game. UC's going to screw you over again. No, they're not because Dylan's (laughs) sitting for BC. If A.J. Dillon wasn't sitting for B.C., fair then, enough. Fair. But B.C.'s without their head coach. He just got fired. Their best player, and the only reason they can be relevant offensively, really, is not playing and is sitting for the draft. U.C. is motivated. Luke Fickle's a good football coach. I like U.C. at seven. I think that's an easy pick, only because Dillon isn't playing. If Dillon was playing, this is a different game. But Dillon's not playing. U.C. here at seven. Fair enough. Do you have any more picks? I got one more. Okay. Michigan, Alabama. Okay. I was going to say, should we talk about this game or not? Let's talk about this. Where do you see this going? Because I initially thought, man, I don't know if Alabama's going to get up for this. And then I remembered Nick Saban is a crazy person. Jim Harbaugh's brain is a little broken. Michigan is what Michigan is. They're not, I don't think, getting better. Maybe they have a, a strike of lightning year. And they can make their way into a playoff game, but I don't really foresee that necessarily. Um, Alabama is just deeper, period. Like the talent is night and day, I think. And Nick Saban is a crazy person. So he's going to want to kill this team. And every player, I'm sure, is going to want to kill this team. So I like seven and a half for Alabama in this game. I did too. It's kind of weird because it's a lose lose situation for Michigan. Either you get blown out by Alabama or you win, and everybody says it doesn't matter. They didn't want to be there. They were like Georgia last year. Yep. So Michigan is really in a lose-lose situation. So I'm hoping they hear that enough times and they just get blown out by Alabama Um, just because I would love to see them get blown out by Alabama's third and fourth string because I don't know that their top players are going to want to play in this game. So I checked that before the game. It looks like the majority of them are playing, which I was surprised about. Uh, They are missing a couple on defense, but it looked like I think that they're mostly playing. Um, Let me just double check. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're playing, which is scary. I think it was a corner and a linebacker I saw. I can't remember their names are out. Um, But they're playing (laughs) for the most part. So that is scary. Yeah, it's literally just two starters. Yeah. And they're both on defense. That wide receiving core is going to murder Michigan. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, I don't know. Don't I wouldn't take this number just yet. I would watch it to make sure it doesn't get too crazy. But just in case at the last minute some players drop out, that's what you always have to be careful about. That's yeah. why I'm not putting any of these in until probably the day of, just in case a change of heart comes you know, a guy twists his ankle in practice or something, or like he's running a route and he lands funny. He goes, you know what? It's not worth it. Like that realization of like, why am I doing this for a non-playoff game? Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to go to the NFL is still there. So I'm holding off. I'm putting any of these in, but if it's only those two, I'm taking Alabama all damn day. Yeah. All this time. game I don't love, <laughs> but I would lean towards Alabama in this game. I think they'll blow them out, but there's also that slight chance that they don't want to be there. Yeah, it's a real possibility. We'll see. Nick Saban, though, is a crazy person. I mean, he's a phenomenal coach, but 
I don't think in any way, shape, or form you want to pick up, piss Nick Saban off in a bowl game, regardless of whether you think it's meaningless or not. <laughs> I just think that's a recipe for disaster for every player that's returning next year. That is like a hell of an offseason. If they don't come out and beat Michigan, can you imagine the offseason Nick Saban's about to put his players yeah. through? The strength and conditioning coach is going to kill them. <laughs> right. What am I missing here? What is Camping World Stadium? Oh, it's down in uh, Florida. Yeah, I know. It's in Orlando. They have they have the Notre Dame game, too. I was like, I know I just looked at the Camping World Stadium. I don't know, dude. It's a There's only so many stadiums you can pl- play bowl games in. True. <laughs> all right, and that's it's in all, Orlando, it, though. Yeah, correct. So. Which is a huge advantage for Alabama, too, because mm-hmm. like, that's essentially going to be a home mm-hmm. game. There's a I lot mean, of Michigan retirees down in Florida. A lot of Michigan retirees in Florida. But it's also the South. There's a lot of Alabama fans just everywhere. Yeah, but Alabama fans only go to the national title game. Even at the college football playoffs, there was a lot of people that were waiting. You don't think they want to go and watch Jim Harbaugh lose? I think they get some satisfaction out of that. He's a big-name guy. Fair. Stick it to him. The guy who everybody thought was going to compete with Nick Saban for championships when he got hired at Michigan. Oh, and now they're just making a ton of excuses for him? Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, Michigan is what Michigan should be. Like, Michigan has a fantasy about what their program is. They've won, like, one one national championship since, like, I don't know, 1940 or something. Like, Mm -hmm. they're not – you guys aren't some phenomenal program. This is who you are. Like, yeah, it sucks that you aren't beating Ohio State on a consistent basis, but you really haven't been doing that for decades now. So, like, I get you need to win one of those here and there, but, like, this is who you are. Like, being competitive for the majority of the year is just who you're going to be. Like, I don't care what coach you go get. I don't think that's going to change. Unless I agree. Get, unless, and the one thing that's going to happen, and it will probably happen, if you have patience with Jim Hardball, it's going to happen. He's going to catch lightning in a bottle one season, and they're going to play way better than any other season because it just seems to happen with Jim Hardball. It might take a little bit longer than expected, but at some point they're going to hit lightning in a bottle to beat Ohio State. They'll probably win the Big Ten and make a playoff game if you stick with him long enough. But it's going to be that's going to be rare and not the standard. <laughs> yeah, it could maybe once, but I think his brain's broken. Dude, I think he'll get a freak athlete at some point. Like He's a, got tons of freak athletes there. He does have tons of freak athletes, but I'm talking like – I'm talking like maybe not freak athlete, but freak quarterback, like an Andrew Luck type of dude who just clicks. Because that's who he had. He got that – like he built Stanford. Stanford right. was a hell of a program where it just kind of fits one day. Like he's going to get that at some point if you stick it out. It's not going to be as consistent because he just – He's not able to recruit the like the region of Ohio, which is a must if you're going to be the coach of Michigan, essentially, because like it's just tough to get players, I think, from the South to come up there when they have offers from Clemson and Alabama, all these other great schools. But at some point, I think he's going to catch lightning in a bottle for a season and, and figure it out. But it's just it's not going to be the standard like this is the standard at Michigan. Just get used to it. <laughs> you at Michigan fans. Get that was my final it. thought on the day. Just get used to it. <laughs> it's going to become a lot easier. Drink mm-hmm. a couple of Bud Lights. Have yourself a day. It'll be easy. Take the edge off because this is what you are destined for the rest of time. <laughs> 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 all right. That's all I got. You got anything else to wrap it up? All nope. right. Perfect.
Happy bowl Peace. season, everybody. Peace. <laughs>